Sorry, but nice to meet you, ladies. But where exactly am I? We're giving you a brand new image. Oh, hold on, I, I was with the doctor. Why is there something wrong with what I'm wearing? It's all very 20th century. Where did you get that denim? A little place in Cardiff. It was called the Top Shop. Ugh, design classic. But we're gonna have to find you some new colors. Maybe get rid of that Oklahoma farm boy thing you've got going on. Just stand still and let the defabricator work its magic. What's a defabricator? Okay, the fabricator does exactly what it says on the tin. Am I naked in front of millions of viewers? Absolutely. Ladies, your viewing figures just went up. Live from the restaurant at the end of the universe, this is Doctor Who Podshock. <laughs> This is Doctor Who Podshock, episode 42, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. <laughs> and it's uh, for the week of May 29th, 2006. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Lewis F. Trapani. And I'm here with my towel. With his towel. <laughs> and across the pond, via Babelfish, Mr. James <laughs> Thornton. Hello. Yes. James, James, there's a little delay because James Babelfish has to translate the American to English. American language into English for <laughs> <laughs> The language that we've perverted from the Queen herself. <clears throat> All right, so here we are in the Doctor Who newsroom. And let's take a look at our first news story, uh, Lewis, if you please. Please, please. Okay, well, in the Doctor Who news story, we've been reporting, um, in the newsroom, that is, um, lately we've been reporting um, information about Doctor Who DVDs and um, the special features they contain. Uh, the BBC has put out a uh, news announcement about Mark of the Ronnie DVD, and included on that, the extras include, um, aside from the two 45-minute episodes, uh, there'll be commentary by Colin Baker, Nicola Bryant, and Kate O'Mara, who plays the Ronnie. Mm. Um it will also include a 40-minute uh, documentary uh, with comments from Colin Baker, Nicola Bryant, and Kate O'Meara as well. Plus, um, writers Pippin Jane Baker, uh, actor uh, Gary Caddy, and script editor Eric Sayward, and composer Jonathan Gibbs. There's an uh, uh, isolated music score on there, too, isn't there? It's one of the features. I think that's... I, I always love the music. Yes. Big on yes. When Jonathan they... Gibbs... We'll have his isolated score. And the um, alternate score on there, too. I, I found that kind of interesting. John Lewis, yes. Yeah, that, that you know, you have a, an alternate score. That's, that's interesting. You know, like, what if, what if you had a chance to see, like, a famous movie, like, 
Casablanca or something, something you know so well, or Star Wars or Godfather or any of the you know, legendary movies, and you actually had a chance to hear it with a different soundtrack, how different a feel would you get? If, let's say, Jerry Goldsmith did the score for Star Wars, how different would it be? Well, it is interesting. If you, if you follow soundtracks, sometimes you will hear uh, their main titles, their main theme music done by a different composer that may have been rejected at first, and then they went with someone else that we, you know, that became the popular, uh, it became known by the general populace as the theme for this movie. But then you hear, oh, you know, this is kind of interesting too, um, when you hear a different take that someone else had on it. And um, I know they do that a lot with James Bond films, where they'll have a musician that will, if anyone that's seen a James Bond film, you know that there's a different guest artist, a different guest musician that does the the signature, not the not the James Bond music, I'm not, but the they do like, you know, either Madonna or... Yeah. Paul McCartney or whatever, someone will be doing um, some musical number for James Bond. And sometimes um, they have other people that that didn't, you know, that they had originally contacted, contracted to do and decided not to go with them and went with someone else. Mm-hmm. So, but moving along to other news. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lou just keeps just barreling along us. It's such a beautiful day today. We're, we're recording certainly in the United is. States Memorial Day weekend and the unofficial kickoff to summer. And I don't know, you may be able to hear it way in the background, but Mr. Softy's passing by my home right now. And now you're going to get any for us? Anyway, let's, let's move along with Doctor Who News. Ice cream man! Um. <laughs> I scream, you scream, you'll scream for ice cream. And we scream for Colin. Colin Baker. Um, <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're breaking up, Ken. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that uh, the show is just spiraling downwards. <laughs> uh, if you want, I can sing songs Very for Ken. Positive. If, if you want to tank the show, I can start. <laughs> Welcome today. Well, <clears throat> oh, I haven't felt this bad since that Anita Bryant concert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, what else is getting there in back, the Doctor Who news? Getting room? back to Colin Baker, he is uh, tentatively set to. Uh, well, first of all, we must uh, first before I go further uh, thank James once again for his excellent coverage of Doctor Who at the Cavern, where he had the oh, opportunity. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, excellent work. And uh, he and um, Colin, Colin Abisok had uh, worked together on putting together these little video interviews, one of which is uh, with Colin Baker. Uh, and we, um, we made this available on our website and on our feed. And um, excellent job, both of you. And, um, but uh, Colin Baker may be returning to the cavern, or at least to Liverpool. Um, Erica, who's... Um, who put together the Doctor Who, Erica and Brian, I'm, I'm forgetting their surnames now, um, who put together the Doctor Who at the Cavern, uh, may be doing the event once, you know, a similar event or once again in autumn. So you won't have to wait another whole year. No. Mm. So um, I believe that maybe... it's, uh, I've heard it through the grapevine, but it's uh, possibly going to be October. I'm sorry, Ken, I didn't mean to stop. No, no, no. I, I, I like fall conventions. To me, it, you know, just... For Doctor Who, you know, being the anniversary is in November. To me, a fall Doctor Who convention always seemed like the, like the natural thing, like you know, the logical thing. Of course. 
So now, speaking of logic, <laughs> it's logical that we have to um, maybe give a little spoiler warning. Um, so, because this pertains to exactly, this pertains to um, a future episode of series two or the 2006 series um, with David Tennant. Uh, we had reported in the past about Peter Kay joining, um, you know, the cast for an episode, and we also reported in the past about Azabalov, which is a uh, winning entry that a youth had submitted to. I believe, I believe, it was a Blue Peter competition, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it was and indeed, yes. So they, uh, so this person had won, and they're going to feature this creature in the upcoming series, which is now the current series. And um, so you may be surprised to learn that Peter Kay will be this creature or will be absorbed into this creature. It's wow. a bit sketchy. Um, I weren't in, in Galaxy 4, weren't the Chumblies a, 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 a Blue Peter contest winner? It was a, there was a Hartnell era monster. I, yeah, I remember they, there was a the, Blue Peter winner that. that well. I, I, I believe, yeah, I, I don't think it was just limited to that. I think there were several of the Hartnell episodes had winners of, um, did, weren't, like, in, didn't the Web Planet also feature one? I'm not sure. No, no, I think it was in Galaxy 4. But you know what? Right after this episode gets uh, released, the forums will light up with the correct answer. So I know it will. <laughs> Let me thank Taras in advance. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Taras. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Yeah, keep, um, keep but it, it has to be said that... Go ahead, James. I'm sorry, guys. The, the delay is terrible. My, my that, fault entirely. But, that damn um, Babelfish. I'm just going to say that, yeah, the Babelfish is, is playing up bloody thing. But it has to be said that, um, that of course, this is going to be in the episode uh, Love and Monsters. And uh, we initially heard about uh, this through... Um, Keep Magazine, who contacted us to uh, tell us that they had some exclusive pictures of Peter Kay in his role in Doctor Who. Um, so you can go out and buy the latest version of Heat Magazine, uh, which is priced £1.55 from All Good News Agents, uh, and see these exclusive um, pictures. And of course, um, it's not quite known how uh, this will pan out, because... Uh, Peter Kay was originally cast to be a character known as Victor Kennedy. Um, so it's, it's not known whether Victor Kennedy is absorbed by this creature because uh, the Absorbaloff, uh, as Lewis has just said, is, it was a monster designed by uh, nine-year-old William Grantham uh, from Colchester here in the UK down in Essex for the design uh, of Doctor Who monster competition. And this particular monster kills its victims by absorbing them into its massive body. And their faces can be seen through its green, translucent flesh. Uh, so it, uh, the competition received uh, loads and loads of entries, uh, over 40,000 in fact. Um, so the pictures look awesome. I'm just looking at one uh, uh, over on um, our good friend uh, Seb's site, which is of course Doctor Who online, when you can find a link there uh, through our website, but it, uh, I think it's Doctor Who, the short version of Doctor Who-online.co.uk, 
Um, and uh, it, it, I'm really excited about this. I'm, I was looking forward to seeing Peter Cady in Doctor Who as it was, but I, I'm more interested now to see uh, what will happen, whether he's just playing Absorb Beloff as it is, or whether this Victor Kennedy character has just been a complete red herring, or, or what. It's, it's going to be uh, really interesting, I think. And uh, I don't so know, have to wait. Uh, only time will tell, I suppose. Wait for Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters. Love oh, and boy. Monsters. That's the second singing. That's the second musical portion of our program tonight. All of a sudden, we're like the Muppet Show. <laughs> and we got two old geezers in the balcony criticizing us. That was horrible. That was awful. Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you can hear. You probably can't hear it on mic, luckily. But uh, this being Memorial Day weekend in uh, the United States, I live right next to an airport, and the Blue Angels are in town, and so are many of the World War II um, reenactors. We have some bombers flying overhead, and the Blue, the Blue Angels, the Navy's uh, um, fine pilots, uh, they'll be buzzing the house from time to time. So if you hear a rumbling noise, it's not an earthquake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think we would assume. I have anyway. we, my wife and I have the best seats in the house on the Fourth of July or Memorial Day, being right near the airport. You just put a seat outside in the yard and you watch all the airplanes, all the historic airplanes, and some of the more modern, you know, planes flying overhead. It's uh, it's quite a show. Anyway, I digress. Mm. Doctor Who. Sorry. <laughs> Move along. Move along. <laughs> All right, well, I guess that's um, it's been a very slow news week, so I think that wraps it up for news. Unless um, anyone yes, else has anything to um, report I, on? Hey, I padded it with the little stories about the, the, the Blue Angels. What else <laughs> do you want from me? Is something Doctor related? Second <laughs> <laughs> time out. Now, Lewis, it's a challenge, so here's how I tie it in. Are you ready? Okay. This is time flight. This is seven. This is six degrees of six degrees of, uh, of Kevin Bacon of Ken. Uh, the movie The Final Countdown took place on the USS Nimitz, which was a United States Navy aircraft carrier. The United States Navy, of course, uh, the Blue Angels are part of the United States Navy. The movie The Final Countdown was co-written by Jerry Davis, one of the writers of Doctor Who and co-creator of the Cybermen. And it was a time travel story. And it was a time travel story. Any questions, gentlemen? Thank you. Not okay, move along. Well done. Love the, the link there. <laughs> I guess that's our hint to move into features this week, then. <laughs> now I got my boxing right gloves back. on with Lou because he's giving me <laughs> he's giving me a little hell for being late to the pre-production I, I, meeting. No, I didn't mention that at all. We, it was people are going to be going crazy in the forums now. You do realize with uh, tales of, of yes, of well, Ken going away, doing its solo album. And, we sh yeah, we should make a mention strong. that Ken is going to be breaking away from this podcast so to work on his new solo album. My soul. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, you know, he's going to be the Roger Waters of the bunch, and we're going to move, we're going to continue on as Podshock, and we're just going yeah, to get someone I'm else gonna... to fill in uh, Ken's shoes here, and <laughs> while he does his solo efforts, and then we'll do a reunion. Offers welcome. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, we got plenty of offers. Please. <laughs> so, boys, if, if that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Wrapping up news wise, I'm I'm a little little shocked He's... that it's been such a light news week. I know that we're well. You know what's going to happen as soon as this episode's recorded, and James and I were talking about this earlier. There's going to be a watershed of news coming out of the of, of you know out of the UK, and we're all we should start hearing some Torchwood <laughs> information at this point. I mean, it's been in production now about a month. So I, yeah, I'm assuming the latest news is uh, John Barryman is starring in it. Oh, that, thank you. That's very helpful. <laughs> Whoa! I didn't know. You that. may remember him from. <laughs> you may remember him. He played the character uh, Captain Slack. No, back. No, Jack. That's it. Yeah, at, right at this moment, people are deleting oh, these episodes. <laughs> no, because that would require them to be awake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the next segment, shall we? All right, well, let's take a break, and we'll come right back with our features. Hopefully, the audience will return, too, Lewis. Hopefully, we'll return. <laughs> or maybe it's better that we don't. You're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. This is Colin Baker. And we're back. Despite your best efforts, we are back. <laughs> it's Doctor Who Podshock. Kenny, James, Lewis here, rocking and rolling on uh, a beautiful weekend in the States. How's, the, how's everything over there, James? Uh, you gotta, I'm hoping that you have some, some fair it's, weather. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been quite a nice day, actually. Um, we've uh, been having, well, it's officially summer here now in the UK, too, and... Uh, We've been having some, some nice weather and, and bouts of uh, storms here and there because of the, the heat and so on over the past week. But it's been very enjoyable today, very very nice and sunny. And I can look out my window and the sun's just setting over York. It's very pleasant. Good. Cool. And we'll be back in two minutes with your traffic report. <laughs> and actually, Ken, that's your cue. <laughs> Um, that's, that's my cue to get cops, or is it then? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, for you, uh, New York tri-state area residents. I've been picked up on a uh, freelance basis to do some traffic reports on, on um, local television stations. So, uh, it, it I would tell you more about it, but I'm still uh, in the uh, during this learning curve. So, being that my reports stink, uh, I don't want anybody to see them yet. I'll let you know when <laughs> Please. things work I'm out. I'm sure they don't bit. stink. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, the, are we going to go and do talk a little bit about um, Bad Wolf and uh, First or Idiot's Lantern? Well, as we've been doing, we've been doing... Um, Look at Lewis. The... See, this is why I'm doing my solo project. I do <laughs> for creative differences. <laughs> Well, Ken, that we're no more. This is uh, this is like seven episodes into Podshock that we've been doing it this way. We've been reviewing the the Sci-Fi Channel showing of last year's series, and then we do the the BBC's new series this way. Um, you know, those that aren't listening to the Enhanced podcast, they can just you know skip out the you know the, the thing towards the end and just jump to the end and whatever. I don't know. It's all good. Down boy. <laughs> listeners, let's let the listeners call in and and tell us what they want to hear first. 
<laughs> we're standing we by. A while. <laughs> <laughs> we're standing by, waiting for you to phone in your uh, request. Would you like to hear Bad Wolf or Idiot's Lantern first? Do 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 do. Okay, and enough. You, you see me the theme to Genesis. <laughs> I, folks, I really wish I could blame it on the drinking of the drugs, but I cannot. Okay. It's the sugar in the cake. <laughs> <laughs> You're as sober as a judge. <laughs> I vote for Bad Wolf first. <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll do Bad Wolf since that's the pattern we've been doing. Any uh, objections? Any advance on Bad Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Twice. Okay. Bad Wolf it is. Our... Uh, it was uh, written by Russell T. Davies and directed by James... Uh, James, oh my god. James, you directed it! By me? <laughs> it was, it was directed I didn't know by that. Joe, I demand more Joe... money from the BBC. <laughs> I think it's J- Joe Ahern, I believe, uh, directed it. <clears throat> and it's... um, it's, uh, it's, it, it's um, an important story in a, in, in, in a certain respect because it's uh, leading up to uh, the series uh, finale. It's part one of two, and, and again, uh, we had mentioned in our Rise of the Cybermen review that part one does essentially set up part two, but in, in this particular case, as opposed to Rise of the Cybermen, uh, this story can actually stand pretty well on its own. I think it, it is, mm. if you watch this and then compare it to Parting of the Ways, the, the season finale, um, Tonally, it's it's entirely different. You know, it starts out um, lightly comedic, um, with a little bit of a statement about reality television and the state of television uh, in two thousand what five at the time. Um, and then when we head into the second part of the episode, is you know the in parting of the ways, it goes in a different direction. So, Rise of the Cybermen, although. We say that it, it's similar in that it's a setup episode. This one here actually, I think, stands up a little bit better just on its own. If you wanted to sit down and watch it as a just a single episode, I think it it, it holds up a little bit better than than Rise of the Cybermen does in that part one of two. Would you agree with me? Oh, I I agree. I was, you know, I I think that many of the the. the the two parters are, um, you know, in a sense, you know, can stand on their own sometimes, or or some, or or um, or opposably that they don't. Sometimes they need to have the other bookend, you know. And um, in a certain sense, Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel should be, you know, it should have been Rise of the Cybermen, maybe part one, and Rise of the Cybermen part two. And the same thing could be said about. Aliens of London and World War Three, or um, Empty Child and uh, Doctor Dancers as well, but um, they're choosing mm-hmm. to have their own little titles and their own little identities as what well. I, as, as an example, when you watch Bad Wolf and and you watch um, Parting of the Ways, if you watch them together, yes, obviously there are two parter; they're meant to be joined together and have a, a flowing storyline. But if you just watch the first half of it it pretty much stands up very well on its own. The same thing with Empty Child and, to a certain degree, with Aliens of London. But 
when we were talking about Rise of the Cybermen, Rise of the Cybermen almost requires you to see Age of Steel in order to make mm-hmm. Rise of the Cybermen work a little bit better. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Rise of the Cybermen is all about setting up everything for Age of Steel because mm-hmm. without it, it's sort of um, an incomplete story. Yeah, so, um, so here we are with Bad Wolf, and as the episode title implies, we finally, um, the characters finally, um, realize and put together that this Bad Wolf has been following them all along and, um, in various different adventures, you know, going back to, um, and, and there's a little montage here that they recap some of the references to Bad Wolf, you know, throughout Everyone who the 2005 series. Yeah. For, for you those know. who missed the references throughout the course of the series to this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I must, I must admit that, um, I, I did it first. The, the only thing, the only thing, time that I remembered, of course, was uh, the whole Blythe Droog thing in uh, the Welsh of Bad Wolf in Boomtown, another that I have to admit, it completely passed me by. <laughs> well, it was at that point where Rose, you know, makes the connection and, you know, or, you know, and the doctor is like, you know, dismisses it. And, but then when it shows up again here, it's like, it, this can't be just a coincidence. This has to be, you know, some sort of meaning behind this whole Bad Wolf thing. And um, you know, and if the casual viewer probably would not have caught it, but you know us, you know, fanatics and uh, people that are really, um, yeah, I guess fanatics <laughs> that are following it, you know, have been cat, have been, and they, they with, even withheld withheld the episode name of this episode, this story for some time before uh, its release, not to give it away. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was so much speculation last year about. Who is Bad Wolf? And um, it's pretty interesting um, because this ep- this story, as Ken just mentioned, is a setup for the next story, and it has a cliffhanger ending, which mm. is really um, it's an incredible cliffhanger. But what's even more so is the trailer for next week's episode sets up a little cliffhanger in its own because in the trailer, and this is where. Unfortunately, we're reviewing this for the sake of our listeners that are catching this episode on the Sci-Fi Channel, which, unfortunately, they haven't been showing upcoming of trailers, upcoming um, you well, know previews they, for they, next episode. They stopped showing. Upcoming. They stopped, but unfortunately, I mean, it, it, this is really you're going to lose a lot because last year this. Bad Wolf has so much momentum because of the trailer. The trailer had a, I thought, had a more substantial cliffhanger ending because if you remember the trailer, it's the doctor turns around and hears his voice. The doctor is um, addressing, well, I don't want to get, should I give it away? I guess. Okay, we're assuming you've seen Bad Wolf and you, so spoilers aside, um, the doctor is addressing a Dalek and, you know, and he asks, how did you survive? Because if you've seen Dalek, um, the sixth episode, you know that all the Daleks were destroyed and it was the last remaining Dalek in that episode. So um, the doctor says, you know, questions the Dalek, how, how did you survive? And all of a sudden, off screen, off camera, you hear this voice, they survived because of me. And so there was all the speculation of who this voice was. And, um, and you'll find out who that voice is in next week's episode, Parting of the Ways. But, um, 
but it's interesting that the trailer you know created a cliffhanger of its own that had outweighed the the cliffhanger of the actual episode very true yeah and uh, i think it is a shame well i don't want to go into a rant about uh, this sci-fi channel on the BBC because I already have a slap on the wrist about this uh, already, so I, I won't do that. But I think it is a bit of a shame that, that they aren't including the trailers because, as you say, it adds certain things uh, that, that, it, that are useful. Well, you know, yeah, sometimes and it... you, they do give spoilers, but sometimes they can be useful, just as, just as you've been saying. Well, it... You know, it gets people thinking about next week's episode, and if they're worried about, you know, ratings and why ratings are slumping or whatever... Um, yeah, why not just show just the trailer and maybe someone would want to come back and watch it next week? Exactly, and if they're worried about the, the, the manpower to put together a trailer or a promo, just use what the BBC has already put together. I mean, th those trailers work fine, and, um, you know, they can just show that without any effort, and... Even if they have to do it in a little sub, smaller window, and while while they squeeze the credits down, just do something. Hey, handsome, good to see you. Any sign of Rose? Can't you track her down? No, she must still be inside the games. All the rooms are shielded. If I can just get inside this computer, she's got to be here somewhere. Hey, you better hurry up. These games don't have a happy ending. You think I don't know that? There you go. Patch that, and it's programmed to find her. Thanks. Hey there. Hi. Captain Jack Harkness. Linda Moss. Nice to meet you, Linda Moss. Do you mind flirting outside? I was just saying hello. For you, that's flirting. I'm not complaining. We're just glad they're It's not compatible. Stupid system doesn't make sense. This place should be a basic broadcaster. The systems are twice as complicated. It's more than just television. This station's transmitting something else. Like what? I don't know. This whole bad wolf thing's tied up with me. Someone's manipulating my entire life. It's some sort of trap, and Rose is stuck inside it. Rose, in geography, the Grand Central Ravine is named after which ancient British city? Is it York? No, the correct answer is Sheffield. Thunder! Floor 407. <gasps> oh my God, she's been behind the torch. You can't get her out of there. Roderick, in literature, the author of Lucky was Jackie who? Stuart. No, the correct answer is Collins. Rose, the oldest inhabitant of the ISOP galaxy, is the face of what? Bo! The face of Bo! That is the correct answer. The, the, the only thing that I will say about the whole Bad Wolf story arc that I didn't like was when it is revealed who and what Bad Wolf is all about the name really doesn't fit. Uh, uh, I don't know if, if you're following what I'm saying. It just Well, I think you're jumping ahead to next week, right? Yeah, I don't know. Just to, to me, the name just doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, well, that, because I, I, I... I think I, the idea I, of what happened is great. I just think that... I don't think they knew what they were going to use it for when they originally... Um, that's a possibility, yes. I, I think when Russell T. Davies came up with that... Bad Wolf. It wasn't. He himself didn't know how it was going to play out at the, you know, until the end came. That's why um, th th there's mention of that. He does a commentary in uh, Bad Wolf where he he that's is that is spoken of, you know. So mm. I think that's um, part of the reason there. But but also there's. I mean, obviously I don't want to say anything beyond this too much for spoilers and so on. But there's a nice link between the first series and the second series with this whole Bad Wolf 
thing, which is is less subtle, but is uh, is interesting nonetheless. And it's nice to see that they really are drawing everything together. Um, so maybe that was their intention all along. You can say, you know, uh, maybe we'll learn mm -hmm. about it when we listen to uh, other commentaries or other things on the series you accept. Uh, I enjoyed the. Um... It's, it's just. In in se the beginning of season two, actually, many have even been in the Christmas invasion where um, Rose is saying goodbye to her mother and Mickey to travel with the Doctor again, and the Bad Wolf has been scrubbed off of the uh, the, the basketball court or wherever little yeah. the tarmac yeah. that they're they're on. I thought that was very very interesting, and and uh, you know, again, the the eye. The eye for detail in the show has mm -hmm. just been amazing. This, you know, this season and well, just the new show in general. The eye for detail has been wonderful. Well, um, yeah. Bad Wolf opens up, um, and the Doctor and his companions find themselves uh, in a reality game show situation. Each one in a different um, show or situation, and um, similar to um, uh, School Reunion, where you know it, it kind of opens up, you know, with them already in the story yeah um it's you know it's not like the tardis just lands and they come out and investigate and whatever so they it's they are like thrown into the action so to speak and um and once again following on the heels of boomtown where the doctor is face to face you know dealing with consequences of his actions here where he discovers himself to be on a space station um uh, that w he was on previously 100 years prior in the long game and that's why the long game kind of plays an important um aspect to this story in that respect because now the you know the changes he made in the long game by shutting down the news uh, uh stations and 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 that whole thing um everyone's kind of reverted to mindless reality shows which is not too far from reality of today <laughs> no that's for um, sure the I, I really enjoyed, comedically, I really enjoyed where they sent Captain Jack. I thought that was great fun with the sort of... Um, the, yeah, doing the whole makeover. The makeover thing. <laughs> and they do the... They just zap his clothes away. And he totally eats it up. You know, he's just like, yeah. all right, yeah. girls, bring it he on. You know? it. Yeah. <laughs> they he did have to cut out a scene um, because there was a scene that was originally shot, which, um, much to the chagrin of, of some viewers <laughs> was not included. Um, and it's not on the DVD either, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, sadly. I, I, I really wanted to, to see, uh, you know, I'm not gay or anything, but I was really interested to see Captain Jack's ass. Um, <laughs> well, just to see that laser gun included. somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, oh. uh, you know, it, it was, it, I think it would have been a really funny thing to see, but certainly the BBC says... Well, uh, we obviously it's a family thing. show. They'll have to save that for Torchwood. <laughs> Something to look forward to. James, maybe you'll get lucky in Torchwood. Maybe that's his, the start. Maybe that's like in the data burst. Yeah, uh, the beginning of the, the, beginning of the, it's uh, also, the series. Yeah. This, this episode's also um, important, to speaking of Torchwood, because it's the first story, the first episode that's ever mentioned Mentioned's Torchwood. Yep. And there's a... Yes. During the whole um, The Weakest Link uh, game show with the android, uh, there's a question um, Ask, that was what is put to... Great yeah, go ahead. Cobalt Pyramid. What... what, what is the Great Cobalt Pyramid... Um, 
is built on. Built on or whatever, and the answer was the torture for the Institute. Yeah, yeah. So that real quick thing, it goes by extremely fast. It's interesting, though, when you think about it, because we've seen now, uh, jumping ahead to season two, um, knowing that we saw the Torchwood Mansion, that there's a giant pyramid there in the future. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, just one single line of dialogue that requires your imagination to paint a picture. And I, I always enjoy things like that. Um, it's what adds depth to the show. It's the difference between the typical junk that's on television and Doctor Who. Is that... Yeah. There you are, and now, even now with ama- with amazing special effects, not even requiring us to use our imaginations anymore, um, Doctor Who still finds a way to require the viewer to use their imagination. Well, um, what's also interesting in here is that the Doctor meets up with a uh, a new character named Linda, who really is set up to be a new companion, and it really plays out yes. that way. And then yeah. suddenly Rose dies, and the casual viewer is going to put two and two together and thinking, well, that's the end of Rose and Billy Piper. This must be the new companion. That must be and, the parting of the ways. Yeah. So it's um, pretty interesting how they did that. And I don't want to spoil it by, yeah. you know, talking about Linda for next week, but, but you'll find out more about that when you see parting of the ways, but it's interesting how they set that all up. Yeah. Um, in here. Very, very well done episode. Uh, you know, and again, leading, uh, we always, anytime we have these two parters, I always seem to tease the, the 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 review for next week. But leading into parting the ways, a perfect setup into an excellent episode that really is just a lot of fun, and uh, leading up to a see a season one finale that's just spectacular. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything mm-hmm. in Bad Wolf leads up to the, 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 the like the last five minutes of the of the episode, and and that really kind of just builds and whets your appetite for um, for parting of the ways. And now, what's interesting now that we've we're getting towards the end of season one, you can see some of the influences Russell T Davies and and the the crew putting the first season together. The reoccurrence of the space station very similar to tom baker's first mm-hmm. season yeah uh mm-hmm. where the sets the, were used the, over again and they, they visited yeah, the, the same place in time and space different at different times yeah yeah good point um you know there's that feel is is there's something that clearly influenced today's show you know the modern show uh from the past mm. <laughs> <laughs> And same thing well, when they, they it's, explain it's nice. how the how the three characters get in the reality shows that they've been transmatted there and, and whatnot. You know, those that's, that's a throwback to to Tom Baker's first season. It would have been nice if it, they were um, if the the game shows spanned a greater amount of time because it seemed like they were just focusing like on early twenty first century um, reality shows and um, yeah, they, they could have done a game show that may have been a little older, maybe from the seventies or even the sixties. You know, who whose line is in any way or yeah, you know, some, something that mix it up a bit, mix it up a little bit. I, I agree, but you know what, the show is being very contemporary. Um, yeah, it, the shows they picked. I don't watch reality shows, and I knew what big yeah, Brother they were was. very identifiable, they were very identifiable. Um, yeah, re- you know, 
television. So they picked things that they knew even that today's audiences could relate to. Absolutely. And even people who don't watch those mm. shows, you know, in the United States, you don't have to uh, watch the show to know, is that your final answers? You know, what what show does that come from? You know, those kind of yeah. things well. when they're when the when they're iconic. To a well, well, both um, uh, the weakest link and uh, Big Brother are in the U.S. as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, well, that goes uh, to our long-standing tradition of when we can't think of anything on our own United States, we just rip off the Brits. We've been doing <laughs> that for years. Since well, I have to say that I I have to apologize for such shows such as Big Brother. Who wants to? <laughs> on behalf uh, James, of we're not talking people. to you again. Well, that's, <laughs> On behalf of all of the I'm United sorry. Kingdom, James will, <laughs> James will, will yeah, accept responsibility. Okay, I'm sorry. I really am sorry for such crappy TV. At least Doctor but, Who's making it But James, it it. what's interesting about that is that the Brits made these crappy reality television shows, and in great American style, we made them worse. <laughs> we, took we took something bad and made them worse. <laughs> I, I can't say because I've not seen all American versions, but uh, they are here in the UK. Why they're doing this, I have no idea. But here in the UK, they have bought the latest series of American Idol, which of course was I'm sorry. A, a British show first called Pop Idol. Mm. Um, and it's it, I've watched it a few times, and um, it's really interesting to see that it's exactly the same but different. Even down to the title sequences, you know, they've just basically bought it and just and just removed the word pop and put American in there. Um, well, why uh, I, I don't understand that. We we create a program, sell it to you guys, and then you'll do your own version, and then we buy it back and <laughs> show it up on our own TV series. So what, what's what's all that about? It's the thing with the office and things like that. How does how does that work? As much as I don't watch the show, but I, I do I do really admire Simon Cowell and, and as, as being the, that role on this show, um, I, I, I like the idea that someone speaks his mind and whether you like it or not, he requires you to respect his opinion just simply for having it and having the guts to say what he thinks. Perhaps he's I mean perhaps well, it is a it. bit of a gimmick. You know, fine, fair enough. But you know what? It takes a lot of guts to look someone in the eye and tell them, you're not very good, or you're not talented, or you need to work on this. That's not easy to do because most people wouldn't, would just, you know, would rather not tell you, would rather just be like, oh, that's great, and then just talk about you behind your back. He doesn't do that. He'll come right out and say, you know, you're off key. You need to learn how to sing. That, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have you here, Ken. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Just uh, keep James and I on our toes, and <laughs> and when you guys stink, you I suck, tell you. James. <laughs> <laughs> right now, right now, as this 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 podcast is going out and being downloaded, and people listening, there's someone typing something in on the forums about about oh no. Well, I think you stink. So. Oh, they're already doing it. <laughs> they're not waiting for this episode. Oh, <laughs> just look at the comments from last week's. Never mind. Um, <laughs> so, um, we're getting into a whole different level of 
Doctor Who can there, but uh, yeah, back so, to the review. Yes, and getting back to Bad Wolf, and we're again, we're assuming you've seen this already, so uh, there's going to be no spoiler warnings here. Uh, we, this episode does, um, you know, we do see the Daleks again, and it's, you know, despite the episode Dalek where, you know, the last remaining Dalek is destroyed, uh, we see that there are other Daleks out there, and there are more of them, and there's, uh, what was it, two million was counted on those spaceships or whatever, I forget the figure it was, but there were um, yeah, over two million or a lot of Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, it, it was, I, I liked, I have to say, when I first saw this, um, you knew what was happening, even if, um, because of the of how they shot it and um because first of all um rose is somehow transported to the dalek ship which i'm i'm can only guess that um because the the controller was um you know was control brought the, the doctor and rose to the to the space station and all that and why did yeah they have rose get transported to the dalek ship mm -hmm. i can only assume that somehow the daleks intercepted the controller's mind and you know um got you know got who Rose was. I, know, I and, really enjoyed But the fact if I can just finish my point, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, I, no, it's right. It, since Rose was on the ship was um you didn't see the Daleks right away, but you saw reflections mm -hmm. of the Daleks, you know, in the panels and um I thought that was handled really nicely. And then once the Daleks are revealed, they go back to the original Dalek sound of the uh the like the Dalek control room bum 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 considered a musical cue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the book, it's considered a musical cue. It's not actually a sound effect. Uh, and, and used from time to time in Jam early James Bond movies, if you listen carefully. Daleks were in the early James Bond movies? No, that cue. That's, uh, I'm sorry, not that the... Not the the womp womp part. There's another quicker hum where it's like... And it's in Doctor No. Um, and I was like, wow, that's the sound effect from either the one of the Dalek spaceships or... I'll have to go back and try to maybe grab a, a, a sound effect from it and be able to compare them side by side for you. But, um, going to leading into what I was uh, going to say. Yeah, I'm sorry. Before I cut you off, Lou, was that the the ending here where Rose is on the Dalek spaceship, and I I really enjoyed the Daleks' reaction to when the Doctor said, "You know, Rose, I'm coming for you." Mm -hmm. Like they expected the doctor to back but down. You have no weapons, and, no plans. Yeah. So. And he's like, I, it, <laughs> "Thank you, James. I was just thinking that it was it was really <laughs> well done, really well handled." And the fact that he's sort of said, Indeed. "I don't need weapons," and they still feared him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and doesn't yeah. that just scare you? Or and something doesn't like that, that just scare you? Yeah. Uh, gr great stuff, and and the kind of stuff that you only get with the Daleks, as opposed to the Cybermen. The Cybermen. Yeah characterizationally the cybermen will will never do that uh i'm a i'm a cyberman guy more than a dalek guy but i can appreciate the differences between the characters uh, well, the, well, the thing is, the, the the Cybermen they didn't have their emotions um, removed or, or prohibited or whatever, and no one ever said the Daleks were emotionless. You know, sometimes they're portrayed as well as the, as such. But um, I think what Russell T Davies has done is um, made sure that the the Daleks do you know do have an emotion and, stu and do have this um, vigor about them. You know, that they're not just like mechanical things; they're living entities in these things. Yes, the. The thing that makes the Daleks 
the short-tempered Take. little chaps that they are is that fear. Yeah. Because again, the, uh, you know, it's a it's a very obvious parallel to Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. It's this this um fear of anything different than themselves. Fear mm-hmm. that drives them, of course. Mm-hmm. And and so the doctor plays into that and you know in a way that other doctors some doctors did. I, I think Tom Baker did a, a pretty decent job of, um, you know, just simply making them fear him. Some doctors didn't. It, it's again, it d- depended on on the the actor's choice on how they wanted to portray the doctor, whether they're going to portray the doctor at the point where they could be like, no, no, I can beat you, and, and I can do it at any time. You know, that that's always very interesting to me. So the question really becomes for Bad Wolf, uh, who is the weakest link? <laughs> Can't say. That's impossible. I know those ships. They were destroyed. Obviously they survived. Who did? Who are they? 200 ships. More than 2,000 on board each one. That's just about half a million of them. Half a million what? Daleks. Alert! Alert! We are detected! It is the Doctor! He has located us! Open communications channel! The female will stand! Oh, will you? That's nice. Hello. The Dalek stratagem fears completion. The fleet is almost ready. You will not intervene. Oh, really? Why is that then? We have your associate. You will obey or she will be exterminated. No. said no. What is the meaning of this negative? It means no. But she will be destroyed! No! Because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue her. I'm going to save Rose Tyler from the middle of the Dalek fleet. And then I'm going to save the Earth. And then, just to finish off, I'm going to wipe every last stinking Dalek out of the sky! But you have no weapons, no defenses, no plan! Yeah. And doesn't that scare you to death? Rose? Yes, Doctor? I'm coming to get you. The Doctor is initiating hostile action! The stratagem must advance! Begin the invasion of Earth! The Doctor will be exterminated! Okay, so... Shall so, we review um, Bad yeah, Wolf? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to suggest that. Yes. That was... I, well, I'm going to uh, give Bad Wolf four TARDIS groans. Sorry, James, but this delay is killing us, isn't it? Yeah, his baby fish is... Um... I'm sorry, guys. I'll, I'll have to sort that out for next week. But uh, I, I agree with you, Ken. 
definitely four out of five all the way for the, on this episode. I, I really enjoyed it. And everything you've highlighted, I think, uh, uh, about the episode, which was particularly special, obviously the ending um, for me was the best bit just yeah. because you want to find out what on earth happens next week, how yeah. how things pan out and, and so on and so forth. And, of course... You, you wanted to know that anyway, because obviously it's the end of the first series, uh, and mm. of course the, uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember whether at the time uh, whether you knew that there was going to be a second series, um, uh, but certainly you wanted to know what was going to happen because by this stage you certainly knew that um, that Christopher Eccleston was leaving, and you know you. You did, but I believe that you didn't know who was going to come into the role. Um, so it was it was great that they kept that secret for as long as they as long as they could, um, even though it was leaked that that Christopher Eccleston was going to leave, and then of course David Tennant was going to step in at some stage. So yeah, no, it, it really builds it up nicely for next week. And sorry, I'm going. No, I, I said I don't I don't remember the timing from the original broadcasts and, and those announcements, to be honest with you, like when, when they happened. I mean, there was, there was so much going on last year at the start of this show and, and the amount of you know, news and information. So, honestly, my memory doesn't serve me right now as to yeah, well, we knew that Chris, we knew that Christopher Eccleston was leaving. The, you know, the day that Rose, you know, that week that Rose mm. premiered because that broke that same week. You know, right. <laughs> like we just got the first episode, and now he's leaving. Um, and then so and suddenly shattered the whole parting of the ways title. You know, what well, I mean? it's it's unfortunate that that news did break because I think it was meant to be under wraps, and you weren't supposed to know until parting the ways and, about Christopher Eccleston leaving, and and you know, so it's it's unfortunate that that news did happen, you know, did break when it did happen. One thing that that I'm curious about, Starburst magazine, uh, I believe it was Starburst, that w around the time that the show just the first season just started airing, you know, in the first couple weeks, um, of course there were you know attempted previews as to the season finale and they said that they shot an alternate ending to parting of the ways they, they shot two different versions and it was tight you kept under wraps now a lot of times people will tell you they shot two different versions or they do a a, a, a decoy one or a dummy one to throw people off uh, as they did in empire strikes back and and things like that um i'm curious well, did, they did they really shoot an alternate now that now that it, all said and done, and, and and this is behind us, did they shoot an alternate? Did they well, think about shooting an alternate? Well, we know that they did shoot um, um, David Tennant sequences much later than mm -hmm. um, the, the Christopher Eccleston sequences. Uh, and again, we should be talking about this next week because that's really this is really talking about parting the ways. Yeah, you know, and and um, but th th that th there was definitely you know that difference there. You know that was shot differently. Um, when they, you know, David Tennant was not on hand, not on the set when they, when Christopher Eccleston's scene. And again, we'll talk about it next week because I don't want to give it too much away, even though we all know well, what we're ahead, talking about. Lou, what was your chartist well, factor? I'm going to give it uh, four as well, and and it's it's really um, I'm giving it four because it, uh, you know, obviously um, it everything builds to the last 
few minutes of the story and and goes into next week's story. I mean, it, we were saying earlier when we started this review that this could like be a standalone episode as well if you were to cut off the like the last five minutes and whatever. And um, if it was a standalone episode and it didn't have that build up leading into um, parting of the ways, then it wouldn't have been a four. I, I think what makes it a four was, the, you know, because of it was all leading up to where it was leading to. And um, if it was just a story about a space station that's doing game shows reality shows rather and then you know it may have gotten a three or three and a half but um but, but was, yeah i'm gi- i'm giving it four because that's what it is and it, right. it all leads up to um next week's parting of the ways and it, it introduces uh characters such as uh linda that you'll see more next week and um you know obviously it takes place and on how the much thing. did you really uh, does captain jack really start to to uh to grow on you. You know, each week he gets better and better, and this one's just another example. And and next week, even previewing next week, each week he seems to just, you, you get to like him more and more. You get his sense of yeah. humor. You, you you know, he just really, really, um, yeah, you, he really grows there, on there was, There's a line in here where, um, I forget the exact line, but where they first break into like the control room where the controllers, you know, is all hooked up or whatever. And, um, he's carrying like two guns and, and he goes to this area, this room and it's like, you can't go there. It's a restricted area. And get, and he like holds up the two guns. Do I look like a restricted area type of guy or something like that? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> he just, you know, makes his way in. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, yeah, he's don't like, argue with me. I'm the one holding his... the guns, mate. <laughs> His character really, you know, like I said, every week it gets better and better, and and it's leading into next week, where I think he, I mean, he, as well, where he really just shines. I mean, it's just great. I mean, everybody, the the, the reason it's the series one finale is that it's, you know, it's really that exciting, and everybody, everybody delivers, you know, two hundred percent in the in the towards the end. Yeah. There's another scene where uh, he, where um, Captain Jack is introducing himself to one of the other characters, and the doctor goes, um, "Do you mind, you know, taking your flirting elsewhere?" And I was just, and he goes, "I, I was just saying hello." And he goes, "That's that's that's you flirting, you know, that's flirting for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a. Um, it's a great character. I know some, uh, you know, some fans either love him or hate him or whatever. But you know, but it's. Um, you know, it's, he's going to come back, <laughs> and uh, in more ways than one. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, um, I think we all gave it four then. Yeah. Right. Quite. Okay. Yeah. Fours all round. And um, so we'll be reviewing Parting the Ways next time around, and um, and that that really concludes uh, the 2005 series, and. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we've sort of um, that the Sci-Fi Channel and the BBC has been coinciding with these, you know, together. We had always intended on reviewing the whole entire 2005 series, uh, leading up to the 2006 series. Uh, but then when the Sci-Fi Channel announced that they were going to be showing them, we decided that it'd be better to coincide it with that. So um, we've been like juggling two reviews each episode, and um, that's um, one of the reasons why our running times have been so um, inflated. So, um, so we're going to, um, speaking of which, uh, the latest episode that premiered, um, on the BBC was the Idiot's Lantern. 
and uh, we're going to do a, a review of that. And, and unfortunately, Ken hasn't seen it yet, so uh, he won't really be part of this review. And actually, what I'm going to do, if you chaps don't mind, I'm going to actually um, mute out my mic and shut off the speakers because I l literally know very little. I mean, there's, there's so little I know about the story that I, I really want it to be as fresh as it can possibly be. I've gone uh, not that I've gone out of my way, but just the focus of the last couple of weeks has either been on school reunion uh, or the Cyberman story, as far as information and the buzz go. And this episode, you know, kind of got overshadowed a little bit with the Cyberman having two parts and being such a big thing. So I'm going to step aside, going to mute out my mic, and be back in Fair you enough. know in a few minutes, and I'll check in and I'll bring up the volume a little bit. And if you fellas have moved on or called it quits and I don't know <laughs> come back and both James and I will be gone be gone <laughs> James Lou okay so go ahead <laughs> okay well right, the mate, idiot Splanton yeah we'll, we'll we'll call you don't call us no I'm only kidding <laughs> I think he's gone already <laughs> okay now we can really talk about Ken oh you take it easy <laughs> <laughs> See, he didn't really go. I'm gonna, he didn't really go. <laughs> I said, he, he's waiting for us to say something. Yeah. That's <laughs> you know what? I'm taking these few moments to go record my solo album. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> His first album is going to be called "The Body." And <laughs> all right. Hmm. All right, so getting back to the Idiot's Lantern, it's written by Mark Gaddis and directed by Euros Lin. Um, those uh, may remember Mark Gaddis's work last year in the 2005 series with, um, um, yes, that one. The <laughs> <laughs> unquiet dead, I think. The unquiet dead. what you're looking for. Yes, I have an unquiet mind, unfortunately. My brain just stuttered and stalled. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> I'm deeply sorry. I really did enjoy uh, the, the Unquiet Dead. It's one of my favorites from last year. And The Idiot Lands um, is uh, quite enjoyable as well. It's very different from The Unquiet Dead in, in many respects, but in, there are some parallels um, between the two as well. And um, I have to say that my expectations for The Idiot's Lantern were not that high, only because the, the trailer and the promos didn't really grab me as uh, other uh, promos and trailers for Doctor Who have. So um, watching this, I was quite pleased and, and um, you know, watching it because it was uh, better than I was expecting it to be because um, th there's different layers to the story that um, I quite enjoyed. And, um, mm. uh, and I also have to make a point before I go any further that um, not only um, are there layers in the stories, but the casting was really top-notch as well. I, I thought Definitely. Maureen Lipman was outstanding. I, I don't know where, how I know Maureen Lipman because she's very familiar, but, um, I, I, you know, she just seems very familiar. But I, I thought she was phenomenal in that part. She just really nailed it and um, outstanding. Um, and the same goes with the, yeah, the whole I casting mean. of of the Colony family and, and Mr. Magpie as well. Um, and um, I can't recall his name offhand, but uh, it was just brought to my attention that he also was, um, he was the new um, 
Parker in the um, in the Thunderbirds Thunder movie Birds, as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, they I, had I, Sophia Miles as uh, Lady Penelope. So they yes, get, they're getting everybody from Thunderbirds. Didn't they? <laughs> well, because um, I was watching this and he seemed familiar as well. I'm like, I don't know where I know him from. And um, someone on our message board, I think Bad Wolf on our message forums made that point to me. Hmm. So, um, so um, James, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Sorry. Oh, I, I was giving you because I was talking for so much. I figured I'll, I'll let you um, give your initial feelings on it. Well, yeah. Well, I was just thinking where you might know Maureen um, Lipman from. Um, she's a Yorkshire lass. She's uh, born here in Yorkshire, uh, so it's always a pleasure just to see her. Mm-hmm. But she's been in all sorts of different things. She's been in things like uh, Jonathan Creek, Coronation Street, um, mm-hmm. The Pianist. That was a, a film back in 2002 you might have mm-hmm. seen. Yeah. Uh, just trying to think off the top of my head. Where you, she Maybe she just says that. Adverts as well. Maybe she just says that familiar face or, or tone Look to her. But, it, yeah. but I, I thought yeah. um, she really did an outstanding job in this and um i mean she did as you said she did nail it Mm -hmm. i mean to the point where i can't even see anyone else doing that part you know and it's um it's unfortunate that she really didn't have any interplay with the other actors because she was kind of isolated and all her stuff was pre-recorded before it had to be because they were televising it on these tv screens so all that work that she did was um out you know done without the rest of the cast Mm-hmm. Which is a shame, but as you said, she did do a spectacular job, and I agree completely. The casting was superb, particularly the Connolly family. I, I loved yes. the, the wife; her name escapes me. Um, just the bits where she was sat in front of the television, admiring the Queen, because mm-hmm. of course this episode is set back in 1953, the Queen's coronation, uh, and that's when. TV sort of really kicked off when most people, well, not most people, but quite a few people in the UK, maybe one person in every street who could afford it, went out to the shops and bought a television so that they could watch the the coronation and so forth. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, miss. I'm afraid you're too late. I was just about to lock the door. Yeah, well, I want to buy telly. Come back tomorrow, please. It'll be closed, won't you? For the big day? The coronation? Uh, yes, yes, of course, the big day. I'm sure you'll find somebody to watch it. Please go. Seems to me half of London's got a television. Since you're practically giving them away. I have my reasons. And what are they? Hungry! It's just a television. One of these modern programs. Now, I really do think you should leave. Right now. Not until you've answered my questions. How comes your televisions are so cheap? It's my patriotic duty. Seems only right that as many folk as possible get to watch the coronation. We may be losing the empire, but we can still be proud. 20 million people, they reckon, will be watching. Imagine that. And 20 million people can't be wrong, eh? So why don't you get yourself back home and get up bright and early for the big day? No, I'm not leaving till I've seen everything. Um, but yeah, you, the, the casting was superb, spot on. 
Uh, I know a lot of, I've spoken to quite a few people about this episode uh, here in the UK, and they don't seem to have liked it as much. I mean, they thought it was okay. Well, um, I think maybe because it's I on the heels of Age of Steel, and maybe, you know, it suffers a little bit from, you know, th- that momentum that yeah. Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel had, and then you know, here we are, like, back on Earth again. And in, um, and as much as I kind of, you know, get tired and, and despise all these Earth stories, I, I thought it was kind of refreshing to be in the 1950s and having a period piece set at that time piece, um, t- time period, rather, and a little reminiscent, to, I guess, to Delta and the Bannerman, where they were, again, back in the 50s and on a scooter and on a motorcycle and whatever, and... Um, I know we were mentioning last week, I believe, um, or, or a couple of weeks ago, the, the 10th anniversary of the Doctor Who, the video movie, uh, where you see a, a motorcycle run through the TARDIS, and here you see the motorcycle, um, the Doctor drives it out of the TARDIS, and this little, um, you know, yeah. whisper um, uh, yeah, um, cycle. Yeah, the Italian motorcycle. Uh, yeah. I loved how it was blue as well. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, it's like a throwback to the TARDIS. Going back to what we were talking about last week with Mickey in his blue van. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and then he but, makes a uh, comment about the scooter at the end of the episode. You know, you might want to keep it in your garage for a few years because it was actually it hasn't it didn't come out yet in 1953 because when they first landed when they came out of the TARDIS they were expecting it to be 1957. So um, they were sort of yeah. dressed and uh, in that time, and they're also thinking they were in New York as well. So yeah. um, it's um, once again um, the TARDIS just goes where it, it wants to go. Yeah, it does. God bless it. Um, but yeah, I, as I was saying before, a lot of people did seem to like this episode who I've spoken to. Oh, they thought it was okay. But as you said, this I think this is wedged between two spectacular um, sort of two-parters. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've just had, of course, the rise of the Cybermen and uh, the Age of Steel, and now mm-hmm. we're getting into the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, which is yeah. supposed to be really, really good and has kind of been, which is what I've been looking forward to the entire series. This is what I... Which is supposed to be an off-Earth adventure, right? So we're finally getting our first, you know, story outside of Earth, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, well, aside from (laughs) New Earth, but, yeah, you can't... It still was Earth. (laughs) Yeah, and just a different different version of Earth. But, um, you know, I think that this, this is kind of like the long game. It's episode seven, just as the long game was, and it's just wedged between two amazing stories. So I'm led to believe because obviously not seen yeah, the impossible that, or even or... Uh, the Boom uh, Town episode, which was um, in between. Um, yeah. Two different parts. Two, two different ways and bad wolf. Yeah, and then um, Doctor Dances and Empty Child before that. So it's sort of like a yeah. breather, catch your breath I... type of episode. Yeah, I like I the vibe on this episode. I said the same about Boomtown. But I really loved the vibe. Um, I loved all the... Uh, I mean, I've seen it twice now, so I've had mm-hmm. sort of the chance to, to think about it. So, well, sorry, well, what were you going to say? 
Well, no, well, speaking of the vibe, <clears throat> I have to say, also forgive me because I'm, I'm just, I was sick this week, so I'm kind of my, if I feel, if I'm coming off a bit congested, it's, um, or nasally, it's because of that, but I'm feeling better. But th- um, just letting our listeners know in case you hear me um, clearing my throat and such. But um, anyway, uh, I do want to make a point that um, the whole, you, you had mentioned the vibe of this episode, and it des- does definitely have a feeling and a vibe to it. And that's, um, again, uh, this was um, directed by Euroslin, and um, I think, um, I don't, I'm not sure who the director of photography was, but um, there were really interesting angles. The shots were all, a lot of shots were done on angles. Um, there was a good use of color in this episode, and it really created a sense or a vibe of of the time period. And um, <clears throat> and it's also interesting that um, it's very easy to get nostalgic about the 1950s, and so often, um, especially like in American culture, th- th- there is this like romantic nostalgia to the 1950s oh everything was so much better back then you know but what people fail to um remember is in the 50s there were a lot of um domestic oppression you know with going on there and i think this episode kind of explores that and and how um the, the colony fam- you know it, it using putting a microscope on the colony family and how the father figure there was a, a bit oppressive and keeping um you know his wife and the mother down and um and 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 trying to keep you know um threatening his his his, his son you know to um pretty much like you know straighten up and fly right type of type of attitude and um i thought that was pretty interesting and then then in the end when um basically when the husband or the father gets his walking papers you know uh rose kind of convinces tommy the, the son um and unfortunately i don't know the actor's name but he's He's actually um, much older than than what um, he's playing like a sixteen year old, but I think the actor's like twenty three or whatever. But he did it incredibly well. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. so he goes and 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 I thought that was a, a nice touch there. He goes and um, helps his father with this with his suitcase and whatever, and um, has some words yeah, with him. I mean, it was an important model, I think, in that you know, no matter how much you you might not get on with your family. At the end of the day, they are your family, and yeah. you know, they they do love you, and you love them, even if it is in a strange, uh, different wa- uh, way. And I agree, Rory Jennings, who, who played Tommy, I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, he was great, and uh, even the dad himself, um, yeah, he, Eddie, job. He, mm-hmm. a chap called Jamie Foreman. He did mm-hmm. he did a great job. Um, all of them did. All of the cast members. Um, we we didn't can't praise them enough, really. But uh, you know, I I really appreciated the, the shots. Looking at it a second time, you don't really notice. You don't really appreciate some of the shots and the technicality of it. But when he's in the warehouse, the sort of police warehouse where mm-hmm. they're, they're storing all of these monsters in inverted commas. Um, you don't. I didn't notice at the time, but the windows are smashed, and uh, of this office where the, the the this detective inspector bishop is interrogating the doctor, and quite as, like two or three times, I think it, it kind of pans out of the window, and you view things from outside, looking up through the windows, hmm. and it's got different 
uh, feel to it and you can there's a different acoustic because it obviously it's echoing throughout the, the courtyard or whatever and in that respect it reminded me very much of the lighting and the mood of um, the empty child or the doctor dances mm -hmm. uh, and I got that feel a lot not just um, in terms of the way that it was shot but in the terms of the way it was done because you know, we learn that Eddie was in the Second World War. That's a reference to that. Uh, the the um, whole kind of faceless attitude of the monsters, although obviously they're, they're nowhere near as scary or, or near as, as menacing as those in The Empty Child. I thought that was kind of a nice reflection and a lot of metaphor in this um, episode, obviously mainly focusing around television and, and how we've become so reliant upon upon it and uh, and you know how much of an influence it is upon our culture and our lifestyle uh, and in that respect we really have become sort of faceless zombies um, in that everybody comes in turns on the telly yeah. has a cup of tea and you know square eyes just to kind of uh, well, spaces out in front of the yeah. little square box Mm hmm. Well, I, I, I thought the whole um, the whole removal of the face was a good um, allegory to that, you know, where um, it's not, yes, you know, yeah. it, that their personality is removed and, you know, all the all that's left is a blank face. And um, which I, I, I have to say that I really like that. But then on, on the other side of the coin, that's what gave me the greatest problem with this episode was um was that only if I can backtrack to last year to the empty trial and the doctor dances, uh, where we're presented with um, people that were having um, that were being biologically altered and and where gas masks were becoming part of their real face and um, but they had a good explanation on why that was happening and you find out at the end and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it you know it's the nano um genes or nano whatever no that genes, were yeah. yeah that were uh they didn't have a they were following the blueprint that the, that they had to follow which was the boy at first that was wearing a gas mask and they'd never seen a human before and that's you know so they just assumed it was part of the genetic makeup of of a human um so it mm. you know Scientifically, it may not be the best, but it was enough for me to buy it, you know, and, and follow this path. And, yeah, and yeah. Um, we're here, and I know Doctor Who's not science fiction with emphasis on science. It's um, it's more of a fantasy show, but it's, it, it's uh, biologically speaking and scientifically speaking, I couldn't understand how the faces were being removed and more so how yeah. they came back. And that bothered me. That that's what took me out of the story. And I wish they had a better explanation. I, I mean, I really enjoyed them. I, I, the fact that they had no faces. It, it sort of reminded me of the Twilight Zone, the movie where um, the boy um, removes the the mouth, and um, I, I, it's it's a nice effect. But I just it I just wish it was better explained on how scientifically speaking it happened. Yeah. Well, I mean. Um... What it was, I mean, it was, it was explained away very briefly. It has to be said, um, in the you know when they were in the shop, uh, and they of course the doctor realizes what's going on. He says, you know, he, this this monster feeds on. I think he says electrical brain activity, 
but it gorges yeah. itself. It's so greedy that it takes the face as well. And I, I'll, I will admit that, scientifically speaking, it is, of course, very, um, very dodgy, I suppose you could say. But I kind of take the attitude of that Doctor Who's about stories, and it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be 100% accurate, just as you said, or 100% scientifically uh, accurate or whatever. But I think what's important to remember is that primarily, obviously, Dottie has such a wide fan base that, that in certain episodes, and this one particularly, I think is targeted towards children, and particularly small children, um, to kind of uh, fire off their imagination and really show them that anything is possible and that sort of thing. And, and also, I think as a child, I would find this very very scary yeah and i think that's the why they did it was more that they wanted to have they had to have a scary monster if they didn't have if they were just like zombies like just like just like they still had their faces but they they were just devoid of personality it wouldn't have the same impact um so i knew that they you know the reason why they were doing it and i just wish scientifically speaking or somehow it just made more sense especially how they got their faces back because they weren't even near tv screens when it happened and you know and not that there's any technology in a tv to make it happen in the first place let alone for it to be reversed it's just like all of a sudden their faces just reappeared and maybe if um if somehow that energy causes the cause the skin to grow over their faces and then for some reason when that energy was removed or reversed there that 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 skin resided i don't know i mean i don't know how you i i can't say myself how it would be resolved but um it, it just was one of those things that kind of like oh well you know that really makes no sense and um it, it just took me out of the story where i was sort of there for three quarters of the way in and then once i got to that point i was like it started gnawing at yeah, me a bit kind of, yeah yeah i i agree it was uh, a bit dodgy but uh, you know i i i it, i didn't think about that too much and i suppose mm-hmm. that's maybe why it's bothered you more than it's bothered me um, but i will i will admit that that's probably the one major flaw in in the story and you know how the doctor defeats uh, the, mon- the 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 wire as she's known or it is known um yeah. feed me a bit, you know yeah um <laughs> but what i liked about this in conceptually speaking is the very idea that um, your your essence could be robbed of you in such a manner and also I think going back to what we were talking about before is that if they were these, as you said, zombies uh, you know, devoid of personality and, and menacing and so on, um, but just their brain had been wiped clean, yes that would have been very scary, but I think in this way when Rose, when the Doctor finds out that, that what's happened to Rose, that provides him with ammunition, and you get to see a mm-hmm. side of the Doctor where he's very angry. I mean, usually, even when he faces a villain, he he knows, you know, like, for instance, when the Cyberman, when he faced the Cyberman last week, you know, there was no real anger there, because although he... They, they'd done despicable things. He hadn't. They hadn't done it to his closest 
friends and I think the doctor sees that as really sort of an attack upon him if you mess yeah. with my friends then I'm going to mess with you sort of thing and I think that you you could see and understand that um that, that, that that's what the doctor essentially is about and uh, he will uh, well, especially this doctor people. I mean doctor yeah, number 10 doctor more even so more so yeah. I mean because we saw that in the yeah. very first one in New Earth when you know he was quite upset about what you know what did you do to Rose and if this was really Rose you know she would be upset about this and um, you know he yeah. was trying to keep very I'm, I'm, I'm staying very calm I'm very you know he was when you knew he wasn't you know because he was very upset about what happened to Rose and here again yeah. Um, you you messed with Rose, and now he's he, now there's nothing in, on this planet that's going to stop him now, you know. And uh, yeah, exactly, and, and and it shows the love that they're for each other, the platonic yeah. love that they're for each other. And but when he goes into like Mister Magpie's um shop and starts ringing that bell, dun, 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 you know, you know, you 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 don't want to cross paths with him right there, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry, mate. I was going to say the the other thing that I like conceptually speaking is. Mark Gatiss, or Gatiss, terrific writer, in that again he's gone off a similar line to um, the Unquiet Dead, in that here you have an alien renegade, uh, or, you know, an, an, an energy alien, creature. Yeah, something that has. Well, well, he, she come was transformed a, a into vessel. that. Yeah. Yes. Um, the girl, for instance, were gas monsters, and mm -hmm. they would—they weren't ghosts. They're not, as you know, as you would appear. Um, and I like that concept in that things that perhaps you can't explain ordinarily, or, or people just explain away by ghosts. Now there's a more meaningful and a more scientific reason to it, um, and I, I like that. I like that kind of style that. He's not just thinking about, oh, well, we could make it uh, that TVs go bad. It's, that it's a bit more, it's a lot deeper than that, and that there's actually a bit of history to it. And the you immediately assume because this entity has been executed that it's got to be a bad piece of work, and you know, yeah. that it, it's going to do anything that it can to stay alive, very much like the Master, very much like a lot of the classic villains from the classic series and i liked that and it as i say it added a whole extra depth and a whole extra kind of menace and uh really scared pants off me because you don't know what it's going to do it adds a whole extra level of unpredictability to it and, no, I, I'm, like I'm not sure if i'm really uh content with how it was all resolved and it was, you know, because it's an energy creature, yet then it's just turned into a, a magnetic tape, you know, Betamax at the end, yeah. <laughs> you know, where... Um, I yeah, know. But the, I, I thought that was really funny. That was really it was funny. funny. I, 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 yeah, I think it, I believe so as well, you know, it's... Um, it, you know, it's just it's it's finding the balance between logic and humor and 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 that, that type of thing. You know, where yeah. um, I obviously when you're watching Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, your mind's in a different place than when you're watching Star Trek, or you know, you expect different things. You know, yeah. and and yeah, yeah, and, and Doctor Who sort of you know um, walks the line between the two sometimes. You know. Um, mm -hmm. 
there was uh, I did like the the climax on the tower, and it was interesting watching. Um, if you watch Doctor Who Confidential, you'll learn that there was a line there where the Doctor makes a reference to Legopolis. Uh, you know, saying that you know he doesn't like towers because <laughs> I was you know, he, thinking whether he's going to do that actually because yeah. he fell off a tower <laughs> at one time. You know, so I, I'm kind of you know learning that afterwards. Not that it takes away from the story it not being in it, but it was cut from from this episode, and it would be. Um, I was disappointed, you know, once I learned about it that it was cut, but um, mm. it's too bad it wasn't in there. Not like I said, you know, its its absence doesn't take away from the story at all, but it would be nice. It would have been a nice touch just to have it there. Um, I, yeah. and, and, uh, a it, little... it, it... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that it, it, it's nice that they do things like that off cla- uh, reference the classic series because fans of the new series who've not seen the classic series that will draw them in and make them think well what's that all about and i'll have to go yeah. watch that episode or whatever mm-hmm. i i think Sorry, so too i think it, it it just adds depth to the character and and you know what they ha- he has a background and why not you know use it now and then you know and it's just a, a throwaway line you know sort of like uh, in tooth of claw when he you know says his name is james mccrimmon you know and it's just something like doesn't really take away from the story but it's a nice little nugget there for longtime fans so it that it would have been nice just to have it included but um you know sometimes they do have to edit for time and whatnot and things get cut and you know maybe uh there'll be another reference in another episode somewhere else um um, for those that have a sharp eye, and again, this doesn't take away from the story, just um, as a um, you know a, a, a small scale director myself and photographer, you kind of notice some things um, when they're on the cycle, and they and and this is your worst enemy is reflections. This is why Cybermen and robots can't be too reflective because you start seeing cameras in their reflections, um, in their sunglasses. You can see the crew shooting them. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they do the close-ups of them on the on the cycle, um, and they're wearing helmets and sunglasses, if you look sharply into their oh, reflections, yeah, it's just one of those things that you can't, you know, unless you spend X amount of money to have the mill digitally remove it, it's you can't really avoid, you know, that when you're dealing with reflective surfaces like that, especially, um, you know, like glasses where, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's just one of those things I just figured out to keep an eye out for. Then she can't go missing it. Sorry, um, Mum can't make it down. Oh, bless her. Maybe we could pop up and see her later. Maybe you could. It's a good idea. What do you think, Dad? Maybe Auntie Betty can go and see Gran later. <laughs> all he loves is Gran, this one. <laughs> Proper little mummy's boy all round. Oh, you know what they say about them. Eddie, you want to beat that out of him? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Okay. will first appear in about ten minutes' time, riding in the gold coach of state. Tommy, talk to me. I need to know exactly what happened inside your house. What the blazes do you think you're doing? You want to help, Dad? Mr. Connolly, shut your face, you. Whoever you are, we can handle this ourselves. Listen, you little twerp. You're hardly out of the blooming cradle, so I don't expect you to understand. But I've got a position to maintain. People around here respect me. It matters what people think. Is that why you did it, Dad? What do you mean? Did what? You ratted on Gran. How else would the police know where to look? 
Unless some coward told them. How dare you! You think I fought a war just so a mouthy little scum like you could call me a coward? You don't get it, do you? You fought against fascism, remember? People telling you how to live, who you could be friends with, who you could fall in love with, who could live and who had to die. Don't you get it? You were fighting so that little twerps like me could do what we want, say what we want. Now, you've become just like them. You've been informing on everyone, haven't you? Even Gran. All to protect your precious reputation. Eddie, is that true? I did it for us, Rita. She was filthy, a filthy, disgusting thing. She's my mother. All the others you informed on, all the people in our street, our friends. I had to. I, I did the right thing. The right thing for us. Or for you, Eddie. You go, Tommy. Go with the doctor and do some good. Get away from this house. It's poison. We had a ruddy monster under our roof, all right, but it weren't my mother. Okay. Are we done? Do you want to go ahead and review? Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm going to give it. Um, I'm giving it three and a half Tardis groans, and um, like I said, I, I, I just because I had a, some minor things that just you know rubbed me the wrong way, whatever. That I just wish I had a better explanation. I would have you know given it more, and but um, it's still an enjoyable episode, and um, and as you as we mentioned, it's sort of. Um, it's sort of a catch your breath episode after both rise of the Cybermen and age of steel. Um, and I did, there's lots of layers and lots of things I do enjoy about this story and in this episode. And, um, I, I, if somehow I could just make more sense of the, and I do like the concept of the faceless ones, if I can use that term, even though it's been used once before in Doctor Who, um, the faceless people, if, if I could just come to more, better terms with that on how that was resolved and why it happened and all that. I mean, I love the use of it, but um, it, it, that sort of like just made me take a half a TARDIS drone away because of that. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I'm going to give it four out of five TARDIS players because um, I really like the nostalgia of this, and I thought of it, even though, as you say, it's kind of a catchy breath episode. The pacing was superb. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just like kind of, the, as you said, so much going on. There's so many layers that you can talk about and mention. Uh, but I, I, I loved it, and I, I, it kind of that's my appetite for uh, the um, the impossible planet as well, because uh, I, I'm, you know that when something uh, when it's a, it goes down to a bit of the pace or you know you know that there's something good is going to happen next week that's why you know when people kind of uh, dissing the rise of the Cybermen I, I said well just wait till next week you know this has been a slower paced episode because it's introduced things and I think that's true of this although it's not really introducing anything it's just kind of like you know this is this is a calm before the storm sort of thing you know mm -hmm. if, if I can say that so sure. uh, I, I really liked it and there's so yeah. many things that I could say about it, but uh, I'm giving it four out of five. And uh, mm -hmm. if anybody disagrees with me, 
then I think they should watch it a second time and, and think about it because uh, I, I don't I, I, think that it's worth three out of five. I think it's worth four out of five. Well, I, I, I like I said, I want to give it four myself. I would just if it, I maybe if I could come up with some explanation to that whole faceless stuff. But I, I mean, I like it. I just it. I don't know. I just wish it just worked better. It's sort of like the way the empty trial and doctor's dances with the gas mask worked for me. If this had just worked somehow, I, and and I and like I said, I can't offhand. I can't even think of anything to make it work better. But whatever. If I had some, I, I but I did enjoy it, and um, and I also learned something. You know, um, that the Union Jack is referred to only when it's out to sea, and you know, <laughs> the, the I see. There you go. <laughs> So you it can't be all that bad. Flag. Yes. Mm. So I and did not quite, know that. Also, a nice thing about the flag is that uh, quite a few people don't realize that there is a wrong way to hang it. You, you can actually hang it upside down. So, uh, See that? there we are. I didn't know that either. There you so, go. Doctor Who's educational, just like it started out to be. <laughs> and it continues. <laughs> So then, now we will have to see if we can get Ken back on board. Is is he listening? Ken, are you there? If not, we might have to send him a Shoot him off an small message. Let's well, we could just do the show, response. continue the show without him. <laughs> Come on, it, it wouldn't be <laughs> no, it no. wouldn't be uh, pod shock otherwise. No, I'm only kidding. Oh, he's, he has actually he has actually messaged us. He did. Yep, uh, it's because uh, I'm on Do Not Disturbed. But, oh, uh, unread chat. Yeah, I didn't speak it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we're going to come right back with Doctor Who Podshock with our feedback section, and we'll somehow get Ken back on board I'm with here. us as well. Welcome back to Doctor Who Podshock. And once again, we're joined with Ken Deep. And uh, Welcome back to Doctor Who Podshock. Once again, we're joined with Louis Trapani. And once again, we're joined with James Norton. <laughs> Hello. Hey. I'm not, not going to do the repeated thing. I can't remember what you said. The repeated me. <laughs> All right. Repeated so meme. we're back to our feedback of uh, section of the show. And um, joining us uh, in feedback all the way from Melbourne, Australia, is Ross McKay. And um, this is what Ross had to say to us at Doctor Who Podshock. Like, where else would we be from? Hi there. Um, this is Ross McKay from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I was going to be getting some news from Christian in Germany lately. I thought I'd come along with some news on the latest of um, what's happening with Doctor Who in Australia. Um, sadly, when it comes to the new series, there really isn't much in the way of news here, um, but I'll let you know what the latest is anyway. Um, we had thought we'd be getting the new series beginning the week, in a week's time um, on Saturday, the 27th of May. Um, it is Doc Martin, which is um, currently screening the 7th Saturday. Um, evening slot is finishing the week before that, um, but then we discovered that our new series, uh, Rocket Man, and Stick Park Series, is taking that slot. 
Um, so, Autism will be waiting until after that at least. Um, and that's all based on the assumption that it will be the same time slot as last year, which seems highly likely as the ABC seem to stick to the same type of shows and the same time slots. Um, so, basically, until today's news, which I'll go on to that in a minute, um, it looked as though the ABC were going to wait until July, and they'd probably promote the Christmas invasion as a Christmas in July sort of promotion. Um, and Christmas in July being a bit of a gimmick thing that people do in Australia. I don't know about the rest of the world, but something else can do it here. Um, and then try to continue the series too after that. Anyway, um, just today on the Outlook Scale Faith forums, it's been reported, rumored, speculated, I'm not sure whether, um, uh, what it is, um, but basically it's, yeah, it won't be on until Saturday, the 5th of August. Um, so, a bit later than we thought. Not sure what they're going to show in between. Um, I'm not sure if this is the Series 2 start date or if it's when they'll show the Christmas Invasion. Um, they may still show the Christmas Invasion in July and then start the new series in the 5th of August. Um, but yeah, we don't really know. ABC is not actually trying to anything official. Um, personally, I've decided to be patient and resist using the other means to see the series, um, but it's getting harder and harder not to use them because our uh, air date keeps getting further and further away. I uh, shouldn't really complain, I guess. Um, we get series one so much earlier than the United States and many other parts of the world. Um, and it looks like we'll still fall down to series two a lot earlier than most people. Um, so I guess we've got a pretty good compared to many parts of the world. And I'm lucky myself that um, I was in the UK for the airing of the Christmas invasion as well as Christmas. Um, I got to see that very early and um, got my own copy of that. Anyway, that's the news that I have. I um, hope it's given some people in Australia some enlightenment as to the um, whether the series can be shown here. Um, I should say also that the news has been sourced from pretty much all the people on the Outbrook Scale Free Forums and the Australian Transmission Date thread. Um, so I can't really take any credit for the news, I'm just recording what I've read. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'd like to say to Ken, Lewis, and James, and everyone else who's been involved, um, keep up with the great work that you're doing with the podcast, and thanks for all the great work you do as well. Okay, thank you, Ross. Awesome, awesome. thanks. Thanks, mate. And uh, hopefully we'll get a better idea when Series 2 is going to be shown in Australia, and... Um, for that matter, the rest of the world as well. I know Canada is hoping that it's coming to them in September, and um, who knows um, for the U.S. what's you know in store <laughs> for us. But um, yeah. once we know, we'll let you know. And uh, for our uh, friends in the land down under, once you know, you can just let us know what's going on um, at ABC, or um, I believe that's where it's being shown. Um, let us know. I'd also be curious for our our friends in Australia who who may be able to post this on the um, on the message boards. I know that Australia in the past with Doctor Who had very strict uh, censorship rules about certain violent scenes and things, and they had to make trims. And in a way, that's what how we some of the lost Doctor Who episodes we've had a chance to re mm. recover certain clips. I'm curious on the new show if there are any things, and some people have. Um, used, how would we put it, the alternate means of acquiring the new series. Um, 
if they could make a comparison, if you've seen it from the BBC copies to the Australian copies, were there any trims made there uh, in particular because of the, the censorship issues? Uh, you know, here in America, they made a few trims simply to squeeze in more commercials. More commercials, so. But I'm curious in, in Australia mm -hmm. if, they, if they made um, any yeah. trims, perhaps due to violence. Well, it would be interesting to know if they're still following that that code, I, that, or if yeah. had, you know, anything changed, or for that matter, we for all we know, depending on the time slot that it's currently airing in, it may be different than it originally did, obviously, many years ago. So it'd be helpful if someone if someone made a mention of that. It'd be great. I'm just curious to know about that. Okay. Cool. So, uh, what else do we have in the wonderful world of feedback? Do we have any more uh, voice comments, uh, um, Yeah, we do. Um, Scott had sent us uh, actually three messages here, and uh, I'm just trying to figure out which one came first. <laughs> All right, um, let's, we'll do this as a little trial and error. It's so good to be prepared. It's a good thing you have those pre-production meetings, Lewis. Okay, we're going to assume this one's first. <laughs> <laughs> if not, we'll, we'll piece it together. This is Scott McCowan, DScott750. I just caught... Age of Steel on the YouTube site, and I have to say, definitely, Torchwood, definitely. Canine, mm, possibly. But what they need is a spin-off of the Age of Steel. I see Mickey and the gang deal with the Cybermen in this alternate view. Hmm, they could have slipped through a CVE, and that's how they accidentally wound up here. Well, that's my two cents on Age of Steel. Two thumbs up and hoping that they actually spend this one off as well. Bye. That, that was one. Here's another. Scott McCowan, D. Scott 750. It's one little thing extra. When and if they do bring back the master, it should be on the lines of maybe, oh, the time meddler. You don't realize until at the end of the episode that it either was a either was the master or maybe a fellow time lord once again scott mccowan tulsa d scott 750 bye well i agree and one final comment from scott who has been very um um <laughs> active in our prolific. uh callback prolific that was the word i was looking for thank you this is scott alias d scott 750 and as far as Head being the master in the return of Sarah Jane, I don't see it either. Yes, I loved, I loved her return as well as the uh, return of K-9. But my opinion, they should they need to bring old Rip Torn and uh, be him. That way, because he had some resemblance to uh, Anthony Ainley. And once again, I've been catching all the... David Tennant episodes on YouTube and Primo, Primo. 
Once again, Scott D. Scott 750 in Tulsa. Ciao. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. And thank you, Scott. <laughs> thanks, Scott. All three times. <laughs> that's a that's a three thanks three thanks, Scott. Yes. We're we're not sure if we've seen the last of um well we were, I think we're I guess we're pretty sure that we haven't seen the last of the Cybermen, but we haven't sure if we've seen the last of these Cybermen. Um or mm. or for that matter for the last of um Mickey. I know he had mentioned about uh you know his desire for a spin-off of you know um Mickey uh, we should sort of um I guess it's too late to give a spoiler warning but um if this is referring to the Age of Steel and Rise of the Cybermen episodes and um if you haven't seen that um maybe we shouldn't say anything more I don't know <laughs> we always walk in a fine line here, Doctor Who Podshock, for with our listeners who have seen them and who haven't seen them, and we don't want to um, spoil anyone's experience who have not seen those two episodes. Um, and as far as the master goes, um, you know, we obviously uh, school reunion. There was a possibility that a character. There was a rumor that a character uh, playing the headmaster may be the master which turned out to be false. And, you know, we expressed that a few pot ago when we reviewed school reunion and, um, it's still, I mean, Anthony Stewart had, would have made an excellent master we thought. And, um, but that was not the case. And, um, you know, Russell T Davies has publicly said that he wouldn't oppose to bringing back the master if there was a good enough story to, uh, you know, to go along with it. So, carry it off. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's, um, He's not opposed to bringing back iconic Doctor Who, um, you know, people or villains or uh, creatures, you know, but there, there has to be something new and different, you know, about them and um, something th- to make them refreshing, I guess, and or fresh, I should say. So um, who knows what the future may bring? We may see the Master after all, and um, who it will be played by, um, time will tell. Yeah. But, Rip Torn. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what what, what Rip Torn's um, schedule, schedule is like, is like. <laughs> or uh, Russell T D Russell T Davies' uh, appraisal of him is. Old. So I don't know. Um, it uh, maybe Sigourney Weaver. Time will tell. <laughs> okay. Could be. Could be. <laughs> So, so is that uh, all of the audio? Well, I think that's the, enough of the audio that we're going to sh- do in this um, show. <laughs> Next, okay. we have some um, some text, some Emails. email feedback. Yes, and uh, we've got one here from uh, a chap called Paul Rogney or Paul Ronay. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry if I am grossly mispronouncing it, mate. But he says, uh, hello, guys, I listen to every podcast, and you haven't, or at least as I have heard, said how many people actually download or are subscribers. Do you have a number? It is very interesting. Interestingly, I am still mainly into the John... (laughs) (laughs) If only. Interestingly, I am still mainly into the John Pertwee and Tom Baker era for the most part, but because of you guys, they're watching a new series, and it is slowly, slowly growing on me. Interestingly enough, I have made my wife watch these new shows, 
And now she is into the new Doctor Who series, uh, but still doesn't care for the old series. But dudes, she wants to buy the new series. You have no idea how huge that is. I'm (laughs) trying to get my father-in-law to listen to this as you guys rock. Take care, Paul. And uh, as a final note, he says, P.S. Ken, can I get an MP3 version of your show? I have rehearsal every Saturday morning and have missed your show. I would love to hear it. So there we are. He's speaking of the hair um, hunts. When the hair hut website launches, uh, there will be uh, an MP3 version of the show in there, yes. Um, In the midst of that together. uh, Yeah. But thank you, cool. and um, I look forward to having uh, another listener. And uh, we also have just converted yeah. another his uh, person to a Doctor Who fan. And uh, it, actually, that's not uncommon. That um, you know uh, um, about people getting on board with the new series, but still have trouble with the old series. Um, I mean, the old series, the, the original classic series, you know, d- does have uh, certain it's elements an to it. Taste. Yeah, well, that 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 maybe um, not everyone can appreciate. You know, where uh, the real focus is on stories and characters in the classic series, if if you will. And uh, um, if if you're you know steadfast on today's special effects and you know and and a, a wobbly set or two may you know destroy the whole experience for you, perhaps it's not your cup of tea then. Uh, but if you put yourself in the mind frame of the period that it was originally uh, mm-hmm. made in and, um, and focus on, on, again, the stories and the characters, uh, you're sure to have a great time. And the humor. You know, um, mm-hmm. we were, as you're pretty, it's, this is pretty relevant to what you're talking about, Lewis. We, we discussed that I had turned some friends on uh, to the new Doctor Who show now that it's airing on, on Sci Fi Channel. Um, some friends of mine in a Star Wars group, and actually we had dinner last night, and I had lent them some. They had a very gutsy idea to say to me, "We want to start from the beginning." And I said, "Well, are you sure? You know, because we're going to go back to 1963." They said, "Absolutely, we want to start with an unearthly child." And I lent them, you know, the early episodes, the first season, and they're absolutely hooked. And the exact appeal was. Uh, the, the the critique they gave me last night was it's about the characters, and yeah. they really appreciate like some of the humor, mm-hmm. and um, even the flubs are just fun. They're fun. It's it's real. It's reality. Hum- real human beings make mistakes. They're not perfect. The lines aren't delivered perfectly every time. It, real conversation between real people is not perfect and and that's what part of the appeal of of the first season and and early doctor who is all about Mm -hmm. and like you said lewis if you put yourself in that time frame of 1963-64 um you know the the beatles and the british invasion and james bond's first movie and all that all the the exciting things that were happening at the time exciting positive and negative you know it was a uh, a pretty tumultuous time uh, the 60s. But if you put yourself back in that era mentally and watch the show and take it for what it is and enjoy it. But I understand that, that some people, you know, just say, oh, I can't watch the early stuff because it's just, you know, and they're so accustomed mm-hmm. to the polished television that we get today. 
Well, and, and to that point, the early series, um, it's it's almost as if it was a live show. I mean, it was shot so in, uh, so tightly that they could only afford so many camera stops and because uh, they just have to keep on rolling. The, uh, the, the technology of the day is not anything like it is today. And the cameras, you know, took up um, a huge amount of space and everything had to be shot accordingly. And they were shooting um, pretty much in... Um, in order, in episode order, and um, it, it almost was like a live uh, show, even though it wasn't uh, transmitted live. As a, but it was almost done like a live show, and uh, and keeping that in mind, it's it's just it's incredible. Yeah, it's mm. um, it's just I agree. it's it's left that that rawness of you know occasionally William Hartnell would forget a line and someone else would you know. Br- mention something like he would forget a word and somebody else would jump in with it. I mean, you know, again, some people would look at it and be like, that's total garbage. And then there's some of us who look at it and say, it's just, you, you take it what it is. It's take, take the brilliance and the, the things that they were able to achieve with, as I've said in past podcasts, what they spend on catering for breakfast on most modern television shows, they did an entire episode with from start to finish. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, mm. it's absolutely amazing when you think of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you just want to take the new series and say, you know what, I'm a new fan, I'm just taking it for what it is, occasionally I'll watch something old, but it's not really for me, hey, fair enough, you know what, that's fine too. I, I, I don't pass any judgments along those lines if that's what you want to do you just want to watch the new stuff because it is new and you're just i started with rose and i'm moving from there fine great you're still a doctor who fan it's that simple yeah Mm. and Uh, as for speaking of something else that's amazing which uh paul has referenced in this email he says, uh, you know, obviously he wants to know how many listeners listen to this show. So what is it like, Lewis? Is it I told like you, 14 million, <laughs> James. You're not paying attention. Well, uh, it, it's, it's always a difficult question to ask because since we um, make our episodes available both on our websites to, you know, website to download individually and, uh, and we have subscribers as well on our feeds, um, you know, the, the numbers are – and plus we have people that uh, – we can only comment on the numbers that we can track. Plus our shows are distributed through BitTorrent and, um, and there's other, you know, uh, caches that are um, – where, where our episodes are cached on different websites that are um, making it available for others to download. So uh, we can't track where um, we're not hosting it. So mm-hmm. – um, just you know, from our own um, abilities to track on what's hitting our own hit service and all that. Um, our last episode, our last um, Podshock that went out there, um, just in like three or four days, already had like four thousand uh, downloads in that just one episode. So um, I haven't. That was um, and that was only after like three or four days of it be- being available. I haven't checked again, you know, since then on where it's at now. Yeah. So. And that's only the uh, so ones that we can track. Probably like between, yeah. yeah. So it's probably like between, it's at least between four and 5,000. We can say that much, uh, I think. That we know of. And, and you know what? Uh, we, from time to time, we, we pause and, and uh, Lewis and James and myself will look at 
uh, how many hits we have on the website and and but how many we, we downloads really don't we have. obsess over it and no we don't but we do take pride in seeing sure. the numbers grow because it is a reflection of people enjoying the show not only our show but doctor who itself and um we we're just part of a bigger thing and that is doctor who fandom we uh you know we don't we don't overrate ourselves we're simply a podcast that is international and goes out and tries to report on what's going on and and spread the fandom around we make it a, a very serious point not to get involved in in well, yeah, as we um, always say, taking sides on things mm-hmm. or going, we just we it's, just are Doctor Who fans. It's period. not about me. It's it's about us as a collective, all of us together. All fandom, of us, Doctor Who know. fans. Yes, that's and that's what I mean. So, um, and you know, goes back to our original few episodes when we were saying it's not just our show; is it's it's everyone's show. You know, and, I mean, in my in my Podshock mailbox right now, I have eighty four messages. Tiggs, Panther, Steve, Peter, Paul, Neil, Galacticast, Nick, Joe, John, Lucas, Professor Rocco, Matthew, uh, Destiny's Voice, by the way, who uh, we have interviews coming up from our friends at Destiny's at WUSB, uh, John Pertwee, and I think Colin Baker, right, Lewis? We have um, some things from them. Mm-hmm. Jim, uh, Callum, Sebastian, Holly, Worth, right. Maxwell. Well, I mean, the list goes on and on of people okay. who have emailed us. Yeah. Absolutely stunning, and we thank every single one of you for for participating. And it really is, you know, I, I'm never. It never ceases to amaze me, and it never ceases to humble me that so many people uh, enjoy the show. And, and thank you, really. Well, one of those in yeah. your mailboxes is uh, from Perry, and Perry writes, and and the reason why I'm bringing this up because. Um, other people have wrote has written to, have written to us about the same thing, so I just thought it might be worth a mention. Um, Perry writes, "Hi guys, hi again, guys. Uh, just to listen to Podshock number thirty-eight, and I wanted to let you know that Jetix, um, that's J E T I X Jetix. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, is shown in the U.S. on the Toon Disney Channel. Uh, this is where my kids go to watch the shows shows like uh, Super Robot Money Team Hyperforce <laughs> Go. That's one. That's a title of one story. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Uh, it's a long way from Land of the Lost, Lewis. <laughs> and uh, Perry supplies a, a URL to the to their website. Uh, I hope they show the K9 Adventures when it comes out. Uh, this is referring to when we spoke about K9, the new K9 series, which is going to be uh, both live action and CGI integrated uh, new series with a whole new K9, you know, refitted K9, um, remodeled K9 mark five or whatever number up six <laughs> whatever it will be for this series um it's uh, one of the companies responsible is uh jetix and it's um we're assuming um because at the time i think mike duran from our canadian correspondent was on the show and mentioned that the disney uh corporation was involved in it and it would make sense that um that this is the 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 disney cartoon channel has a um a, a part of the show is known as Jetix because then it would all make sense. So whether or not it will show the canine adventures when it comes out or not, you know, I don't know. Let's hope. But, uh, you know, there were other people that wrote to us, you know, expressing the same thing. So I just wanted to make that point to our listeners that um, 
it is that Jetix is uh, available in the U.S. and it's through the Disney Cartoon Channel, not the Cartoon Channel, the Disney Toon, the Toon Disney Channel, whatever it's called. <laughs> One of eight. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, available. Yes. <laughs> so, have we got time for a few more emails, guys? Just quickly. Sure. Or are we? Uh, we're out of time. We're, well, we're running. We're, we're getting close to that time, though. It's we're one hour and fifty nine okay. minutes. <laughs> so. so, okay, one last email then. So this is from Tiggs Panther, who's uh, yes. of course emailed into the show many times before, and he says, "Hi, Lewis, Ken, and James. It is Tiggs here again, reporting from Aldershot here in the UK. I thought I'd write with some of my general thoughts about the new season, some of which also concern the series as a whole." The 2006 series is uh, fully underway and, and is extremely enjoyable. I have to say I wasn't uh, quite as taken by New Earth as you guys were, but I also know why my opinion of yet isn't great. Basically, I think it's because I'm still settling uh, the new year and the new Doctor, as well as an old face or two. There wasn't a great deal of uh, actual meat to the episode, Having said that, I think it'll end up, to me, like Rose did. I'm finding it merely okay as a standalone episode the first time around, but after watching it back again, I'm really loving it as the introduction to the new series. Uh, then with Tooth and Claw, it really got running. There were a few minor niggles I had, one of which being that the monks who had resembled nothing more than that of the BBC One channel. Hi, Dents. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The other was uh, We Are Not Amused gag, which left me in two minds. On one hand, I knew it would end up being a running gag all the way through the episode, which I wasn't looking forward to. But on the other, I know full well I'd be doing exactly the same were I in Rose's shoes. So I can't really fault her for doing one I already dream about, doing similar things across the time stream. The main thing I wanted to bring up there was the current trend of them being firmly established around the Earth. I do find it a little annoying, but I think I have some good reasoning behind it. In Season 1, if you had uh, the Doctor favouring Earth himself and also wanting his new companion to be able to touch, if need be, added to that. The whole Time War Bad Wolf thing did not seem to play, did not seem to play out around Earth. Now in it Season did seem 2, to play around, right? but also... Sorry, it did seem, I beg your pardon. Now in season two, but also in some of last year's episodes, they're only travelling through time. But it does, as it has been mentioned many times before, go back to the original roots of the show. Through the travels, we were getting to have a look at the past, experiencing adventures, but with history as a backdrop. Sure, I miss the off-world adventures. Who doesn't? But it's nice to be able to have a stroll through the past with the Doctor himself as our guide. Even at 29, I'm learning a few new real-world things about it through the show, and that can't be bad. I also like that in School Reunion, there was an actual plausible reason why they travelled back to contemporary Earth. As I can see Mickey paying attention to weird things like that, and I can also see him calling in for an, for an assist. And similarly, I can't see the Doctor and Rose being able to resist. I'm really enjoying this new series, uh, this new Year's Who. Uh, Christopher Eccleston set the level, and David Tennant managed to at least equal it in his own style. Two strong Doctors in rapid succession. May there be many more Doctors, not rapid successions. 
Uh, I'm also really enjoying listening to Podshock and wish to thank James for his Aftershock coverage of the Cavern event. Takes from all shots. So cheers, mate. That's yes. brilliant. And I think yes. that kind of sums together everything that we've been saying and, and been thinking uh, about the, the old and new series uh, generally. And I have to say thank you for mentioning and pleased that you enjoyed the, the Aftershock. Yes, uh, thank you, James. You did an stuff, outstanding so. job with your work with Colin. And... Oh, no, I didn't. I just yes, threw you some did. things together. You, it was... And... Uh, <laughs> you're, you're flattering me, sir. You're flattering. Well, I'm well deserved. Yes. So, uh, but um, but I think I think that just nicely something is. I think it does. I think it was mind. a good letter from um from Tiggs. I I really thought it was interesting. I enjoyed reading it. Um, when he sent it, um, I I, I do agree with him that it does get a little annoying. I I actually I probably wouldn't use the word literal i would just say very annoying that um you know up until now every single doctor who episode or story i should say that has you know come out of the new series has been on around or about earth and um you know it's time that we get off you know that topic and get out and start exploring the rest of the universe and um but i do enjoy i do agree with him what he had said about um you know the historical episodes, and it was um, that's always interesting. It's always good to learn new things. I, I just mentioned earlier in the in the Idiot's Lantern review that I learned something new there that I hadn't known before. So it's always good to get those little nuggets. And um, but it's also nice to get away. Part of what Doctor Who is about is is um, escapism, and you know that goes right back to the second story of Doctor Who, or if you consider that the third story, if you want to separate. The Unearthly Trial and the Trial of Gum as two different stories. Um, we go right off, you know, we leave Earth and we, we're, we're, we're introduced to the Daleks. And they were no hesitation to, um, you know, from leaving Earth at that time. And I don't think there should be any now. I mean, I think it's all, all the, the Earth stories that we've had had are great. But, you know, we need, you know, and I understand next week we'll get our first off-Earth, off-world adventure, I believe. Or, you know, that has nothing to do with Earth, I hope. So, um, but will will I get to read a uh, a piece of feedback, boys? Uh, in this time, Lewis. Well, it's actually Ken. You're gonna have to wait until next week. Now we're already um, over two hours now. Okie dokie. Well, then, Peter, your feedback will have to wait till next week. Uh, but guys, before we run, I I had sent an email over to you. Have you noticed this Cybus Corporation website? With the countdown, yes, yeah, for thirty-four. Yeah. Well, as of right this second, thirty-four days till we return, and the end is nigh, being spray painted on the Cybus uh, logo. Yeah, uh, thirty-four days from now sure would be would be towards the end of the series, the end of the run. Yeah, of the well, second. It's possible because it. It could be that uh, that the Cybermoon would return in the end. No, uh, no sooner you know, did I say on a past episode that, oh, it's looking like the Cybermen won't be this year's Daleks to return in the season finale, yeah, but that up pops a website where it says we will return in X number of days. Yeah, but didn't we talk about that uh, some time ago, about the, the, that possibility? About... Yes. Yes, but he's, he's just kind of mentioning it and confirming it, I suppose, that there are some people out there who believe that it's entirely possible that uh, that it's going to happen, I suppose, that they are going to be this year's Daleks. But 
I'm not too sure the proof will be in the pudding because I personally think that's they've done that now, and I think it would be quite obvious for them to do it. They may still do it, who knows? But I'm I wonder if be, I think that's what everybody's expecting. I wonder if Torchwood is going to fend off the Cybermen in the season finale. Mm, it's possible. Um, you know, uh, on the on the current Earth, on the mm-hmm. n- reality that we know, Earth. Interesting. Some speculation there. Will we? Will I be right? Only time will tell. Okay, so we'll be back again next week with more Doctor Who Podshock. I want to thank everybody for subscribing and listening and giving us feedback. It's been absolutely exceptional. Yeah, sorry we can't get to everyone's that's feedback all the time. But uh, eventually we will. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cheers, everyone. So Take care. Take care. been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run GallifreyanEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. That's just a woman on the telly. That's just a program. What a pretty little girl. Oh, my God, are you talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you, little one. Unseasonably chilly for the time of year, don't you think? Are you? I'm the wire, and I'm hungry! Think of that audience tomorrow, my dear. All settling down to watch the coronation. Twenty million people. Things will never be the same again. I'm sorry. So sorry. Good night, children. Everywhere.